my perfect day is basically just a total creative crafting playground day, whether it's trying to sew something or watercoloring or going to a museum and looking at art. I mean, I just think that it's really important to feed that and listen to it because I think that's what really makes us feel connected and alive because there's so much push and so much value given on being productive and earning and succeeding and creating measurable accomplishments that we can then share. But it's really in that sort of negative space where a lot of life really happens. So how we use that time is precious. Just acknowledging and recognizing the intuition in the design, to me, that's when it gets really exciting and fun. Coming off the heels of last week's episode on transitions, whether that is a career change or finding more meaning or purpose in your work, this week I have Jennifer Levy, principal of Cav Design Interiors, an award-winning full-service interior design firm based in New York. A lifelong artist and creative, Jennifer has a lot to offer as she shares her experience in pivoting, something she's done many times over the course of her career, and why calling in more creativity can be the key to a successful transition. Prior to founding Cav Design, Jennifer was a highly accomplished photographer, training her lens on notables including Maya Angelou, Ralph Lauren, and Christian Lacroix. Her approach to design is both intuitive and memory-based. Her unique object memory process of design explores her clients' most meaningful and joyful moments and brings elements that reference those moments into the design. Jennifer and I share a beautiful conversation around our love for creativity, intuition, self-development, and much more. Enjoy today's episode with my guest, Jennifer Levy. Thank you so much for being here. I have been looking forward to this conversation. Not only do we both run interior design studios, but we also share a love for self-development work. So I'm excited to chat a little bit about that. Um, In fact, I sought you out uh, after connecting with you through Self-Coaching Society with Susie Moore. Interesting fact, Susie was my very first online mentor, coach, but I've done two of her courses many years ago. In fact, starting my design business was after doing one of Susie's side hustle courses (laughs) that she ran. That's how I started my business. And so here I am five years later with my business, which is evolving again. So interesting enough, I rejoined, I lost touch with Susie for a little while. I kind of went more down the path of like a dark night of the soul kind of journey, you know? And then I was like, okay, I'm tired of being here. I want to get happy again and do more like peppy self-development work. And that's like totally Susie's vibe. So I kind of got back into her self-coaching society. And again, that's how I met you and found you. So um, happy to have you here. Well, thank you. And I will say that it really meant so much to me when you reached out because the timing was also such that I was looking for a new direction and had been in a little bit of a of a dark place where I just wasn't sure if what I was doing was the right thing and going through a lot of what a lot of us go through, which is these periods of imposter syndrome or you know, wondering if we're doing it right, especially if we have our own businesses. And I will say, I think especially as women, 
for me, it's been cycling through forever. I was always a freelancer. I always had my own business. I had a long career in photography before I moved into interior design. So I'm noticing how all of these things are familiar feelings. And it's very interesting because I realize it's not specific to what I'm doing. It's mm -hmm. just like a cycle that happens and you have to really learn how to move out of it. And that was one of the reasons why I joined Susie's course. It just really spoke to me at that time. And I've been really following and enjoying everything about it. And you reached out to me with something that was very meaningful. You said something like your work has so much soul. And that was like exactly what I needed to hear at that point, because I was wondering if anybody was seeing what I was hoping to do with my work. And you just came out with the perfect thing. So oh, for that. You're welcome. And thank you for, for letting me know that because you're so right. When we are focused on our own thing, and I don't know about you, but I run my business alone. I don't have that person to bounce things off of and ask questions. You know, I asked my, my husband, you know, at dinner and it's like, that goes nowhere. Like he doesn't have any insight. He doesn't know. Right. Um, so yeah, it is important especially as women running a business and a household and kids and all the things to really reach out to one another and let them know that, hey, what you're doing is great and let's chat. And I think COVID really pushed us into a lot of that, forcing us to stay home and not be out in the world really allowed us to just start reaching out to each other and supporting. So if there's one good thing that came out of COVID, I think that's it. <laughs> I mean, I also think that one of the things that's been evolving in a really positive way has been this idea that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats so that it's healthy and doesn't impede our own success or business to actually like share with each other, you know, like looking at people not as competition, but as our network of people who we can all benefit from sharing information or pros or cons or what we're going through. And that's been something that's been shifting for a while. And I think a lot of it has to do with just, you know, the internet and YouTube and people sharing how to do things and kind of creating free information, opening that up. And I think that's been a really healthy evolution. And I think it would be great to just keep building on that, especially with interior design. A lot of us do tend to work solo or as small scale businesses with very few, if any, employees. And it is very hard to work in that format, not having somebody to bounce ideas off of. So I do hope that as interior designers, we can start to, you know, create communication channels and more ways to really support each other. Yeah. And that has been my experience. And at the beginning, no, you talked about imposter syndrome. I didn't go to school for interior design. So that weighed heavy on me in the beginning. Like, who am I to come in here? and think I know anything about design other than I just love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was one of those things I really bootstrapped in my business and just jumped in. And so that really held me back a lot. But I just had to get over that. And that's one thing Susie talks about a lot too, is you don't need a degree. You don't need that. You just, you know, go with the flow, go with what feels good. And doing that has served me. But again, thank you for appreciating that I reached out because even as a podcast host, it's, it's intimidating to reach out to people sometimes and ask them, do you, want, do you think they want to be a guest? I don't know. What if they, I, I don't really have a huge following. You know, the, all these questions come yeah. up. So I'm grateful that you're happy to be here. 
When you land on your website, you're greeted with the tagline spaces that breathe. And of course, I love that. And I was like, yes, I definitely want to have Jennifer on the show and talk about that. So maybe that's another good place to start. Um, if you want to just share a little bit about Cav Design and your approach to breathable spaces and what that really translates to. Yeah. I thought that saying spaces that breathe really captured something fundamental about the kind of spaces that I create for my clients. It's a little hard to, you know, put your finger on. It doesn't mean that it looks a particular way, but it means that it feels a particular way. And most of the places that I create, a lot of what comes back to me as, as comments is like, it's so relaxing in here. Or it feels so calm. And it just seems to be, that's how I naturally design. That's sort of what I'm trying to create. And maybe it's just my own process of trying to create a real sanctuary for people and for myself, you know, just constantly trying to see how can I create that. And one of the ways I do that, in addition to the traditional design elements of looking at color, the space, the layout, the lighting, the objects, et cetera. I also do a really in-depth conversation and questionnaire with my clients about memories they have, about happy places, about whether they like being on a mountaintop with breezes or in a uh, dinner party with close friends. So I really try to capture something about where they feel happy and comfortable. And we also bring in special objects. So if there's something that really resonates with somebody, even if they don't know why, it could be a painting, it could be a piece of clothing, it could be something completely unrelated, something they found. Um, and I try to use that as a jumping off point for exploring the design and how it's going to shake out in the space. So I'm really trying to use kind of the soul of these objects um, as a starting point. I love that approach because usually we kind of talk about the opposite, how we live with our things, at least from my perspective in feng shui, we're always looking at objects with what's not bringing you joy. What can we remove from your space? And so I love that your initial approach is, what do you love? And like you said, it could be travels, it could be certain objects that hold memory, um, anything that kind of ignites that sense of joy or joyful memories is a really wonderful approach. And what a great way to kick off a project. You know, I think that one of the things that they don't really talk about in interior design or interior design school, certainly, is that what we do also has a huge intuitive element to it, where we try to really understand what's being said behind what's being said with our clients. We're really trying to get to something that's a little bit more, you know, you can't necessarily describe it or put your finger on it. Um, as you get to know your client and you start to get a real sense of what's going to work for them mm. and what's not working for them. That's when the magic happens, I think, with what we do. And it's not formulaic. It's really about getting that intuitive sense. And also it is about really listening to what's being said. Yeah. I love that you're infusing intuition into your work because that's something I've rather recently started doing as well. I think designers and decorators in general 
have that intuitive ability, but not all of them are using it intentionally. But it sounds like you are. Like you're very aware of your intuition and you're bringing it into the client experience, which is really amazing because then it is really a personal experience, you know? Absolutely. And I coined a term object memory to talk about uh, that process. And I'm also bringing that process into my new product design efforts, which is that, as you know, I'm launching a line of wallpaper. And that was a really big part of it, which is to bring in the elements of my happiest memories into the wallpaper designs, Uh, whether that is something that is literally taken from an object, like a book from my grandparents, or taken from a feeling of a space like being on the beach and just smelling the salt air. This is what I have been really working to bring into the designs that I'm creating for the wallpaper. And I also tried to infuse that into my work with clients. So talking about the wallpaper, I'm curious what inspired you to move in that direction? As I told you, I was a photographer for many years. And, you know, one of the things that I would love to circle back to is pivoting because I've done a fair amount of it. But when I first started getting interested and involved in design, which I knew I loved and I wanted to do something in design as a follow-up to my photography career, the first thing I did was I actually designed a wallpaper. I designed, they weren't full wallpaper repeats, but they were these strips. And I was looking at getting removable, repositionable substrate that could be moved around for rental apartments. And this was way before temporary wallpapers were around. It was really hard to find it. And I didn't complete that project after having done a number of designs because I just didn't have the money or the savvy or the time or the energy to really get behind a a launch of a new business. And I really didn't understand much about how it worked. And my design work was starting to move and I decided to work with the momentum that was happening. And I literally got busy with design work and I did not circle back to the wallpaper for another like 12 or 13 years. But now here I am and I am feeling sort of another shift in my life and where I kind of want to move into. And so I decided to kind of bring that back in. It wasn't even a decision. It was something that happened over COVID where I was starting to do more artwork and experimenting with drawing and painting and uh, watercoloring. And I realized that I really did want to create wall coverings and I did want to create artwork. And that was a really big part of who I was. So I created my first design, which was based on a watercolor. And I was able to install it. I started out by installing it in my bedroom and it looked fantastic. And then I sold it to a couple of clients and it worked beautifully. And I used it in High Point in my Sustainability Stories uh, project. And I just started to feel like, you know what? This is really great. This is really like a transformative thing for a space and I love it and I want to do more. So I I had been kind of collecting imagery and ideas for a while and now I've been implementing it and starting to get the designs actually organized for production. I love hearing you talk about getting back to this creative sense, um, your painting and your watercoloring. I've been really feeling called to do that myself. I think 
as a child, I was very artistic. I always would be painting. I actually like to paint little ceramic things, like little figurines, the little gingerbread houses at Christmas time, you know, like that, that kind of intricate detail. And it's something that I got away from for a long time. And when you start reflecting back, like what used to bring me joy and what used to just kind of consume my time, something that would allow me to be in the moment. And for me, it's painting. So my daughter, she's eight, but she already has established herself as an artist. She takes it very seriously. I've talked about this on a few other podcasts, but she paints on canvas and she puts it all in her art cart. And anytime the weather is nice, she goes out there with her little bike bell and sells her art up and down the street. I mean, she is like, she goes for it a hundred percent. And I think it was really her energy that was like, so in awe of that and kind of reminded me of that kindergarten self, right? Like where we just didn't care and everything was carefree. And it's, I, so I wanted to get back to that. And I've been really trying to tap back into my creative side. So I've been doing little paintings, little canvases. They started out doing them just with Kendall, my daughter. And I have them hanging up. I have a vision board in front of my desk here of just all kinds of things. And I have them hanging up there. And, and I have a couple paintings that I really like surprised myself with like even my family was like whoa you just did that and I'm like I did <laughs> so I love that you're exploring this side of yourself again and another common thing that we share I'm also starting to explore that as well so yeah that's wonderful I think about what does my perfect day look like you know and sometimes I just feel like wow my perfect day is basically just a total creative crafting playground day whether it's like trying to sew something or watercoloring or, you know, going to a museum and looking at art. I mean, I just think that it's really important to feed that and listen to it because I think that's what really makes us feel connected and alive. And in this world we live in, it's tough because there's so much push and so much value given on being productive and, and earning and succeeding and creating measurable accomplishments that we can then share. But it's really in that sort of negative space, the in-between times where a lot of life really happens. So how we use that time is precious. And I think listening to that gut feeling is really important. It's just like acknowledging and recognizing the intuition in the design. To me, that's when it gets really exciting and fun. Yeah. And you just put that all together so beautifully. I love that, especially when you said, um, you know, doing necessarily what we love or what we, how we envision our day being of just doing something that feels good and not necessarily making money. I've actually had those few moments of awareness where I've been questioning that, like, oh, I love podcasting, but podcasting isn't really an income stream for me. <laughs> At least not now, but yeah. that's all I want to do. Like, I just want to sit and have conversations like this with people like you all day and learn and grow and and paint. And, you know, and it's like none of that is bringing me money. And I've thought of that. You're so right. It's really in that negative space where we are doing nothing. And I experienced that rather recently. I took at the end of summer, I took the rest of the year off. Um, so like four to six months ish, I took off and that I had so much creativity. I, I went through a business rebrand and everything 
just poured out of me, you know, when you have to do that whole branding, you know, I worked with a branding marketer and it was like, here's the worksheet. I need you to fill all this out. Like, you know, what's your niche? Who's your client? How do you, you know, how do you market to them? And it just came out because I had space and I wasn't overthinking it. And I really allowed my intuition to just kind of sit with me. And it's like, I was just the pen. I was not the author. It just kind of came out. So thank you for kind of shedding light on that because I think so many people get stuck in the doing when really that's that's not the answer or the direction we need to take so yeah I think also there is a lot of fear and it's scary to change things or to have a calling to have a transition in your life or in your work life and then actually take action on it it's kind of stepping off bit of a cliff but if you feel it in your soul and you know okay I I really just feel like this is where I am headed this is where I need to be uh you really it's really important life is too short you know and I've made a couple of really big pivots in my life certainly transitioning from photography to interior design both very cool things to do very creative careers but I have gotten so many queries and so many people asking, how did you do it? How did you start a second career like this? How did you get into interior design? I've had people in financing, how did you make this transition? So that's for another podcast, but it's definitely something we have to recognize that we're not built to stay in one place. I can appreciate that. And I, I've been there too. And I know how scary it is. And what's interesting. So my first career was in healthcare and then kind of transitioned that into IT and project management, which I have found has been very transferable because as you know, 90% of interior design is project management and about 10% creative. Um, especially when you're the one running the business, right? So. That has been kind of eye-opening to me, but making that shift, as you said, really scary. I left my corporate career, it'll be two years this coming fall. So um, best decision I ever made, never looked back, but it took me like three years of kind of living miserably through that <laughs> tail end of that career to get where I was. And even now that I've made the transition, like there are times where I think like, oh, this is scary or, oh, there's not enough clients flowing in. And, you know, really being reliant on yourself for that income is definitely scary, but it was definitely worth it. And what's interesting now is I'm finding myself kind of at that crossroads again. And I didn't expect it to come so quickly. I am questioning, like, do I want to kind of carry interior design? through my business. Like I have found this work through feng shui and the energy of our space. And I really want to kind of co-mingle that with helping people on their self-development or spiritual journeys. And what does that really look like? But I'm being very called in that direction. And I think this podcast is one way in which it's happening. <laughs> so I'm finding frustration because as I said, I didn't expect it to happen so soon after I'd already made the the last leap. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck sure. in that spot. Well, I think you have to, like, we have to just trust that voice and trust the guidance and, you know, trust what comes to us in those quiet moments. Because 
I believe that that's really the higher source just speaking through us. And you don't just like dismiss it because it didn't time out in a way that felt logical. You know, I really believe it's just so important. And again, you know, as I'm getting older, and by the way, I did this big career change when I was already in my mid 40s. And now I'm quite a bit older than that. And I'm still pivoting. So I'm not cooked yet. I'm not done. And I think, who knows, this could just be going on forever, but I'm enjoying the ride. And hopefully along the way, other people are benefiting from it as well. I wanted to pause this episode to quickly mention our e-commerce site, Shop Elemental. The intention behind Shop Elemental is to ensure a more conscious buying experience and provide you with the tools and a practical approach to applying beautiful objects in your home or space. The connection between the outside world and our interior spaces has a profound effect on our lives and contributes greatly to our overall well-being. This strive towards balance and connection is the essence of the five element theory. Currently in the shop, you will find crystal sun catchers, mala beads, journals, incense burners, and more. And soon we'll be launching our signature elemental collection. We'll be continually adding curated art and decorative objects that support mind, body, and home that intentionally apply characteristics of the five elements, providing your living space with balance and beauty. We are a small team with a small offering, but already growing. And to show our gratitude for your support of the podcast, we are offering you 15% off your first purchase. Just use coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Thank you again for your support. Now back to today's conversation. But it's interesting. I do see a parallel in our approach to things and our passions for personal development and for the environment and what we have around us and how that sort of interacts and about the energy that we surround ourselves with. And that's also been a really uh, big component of my approach to sustainability, because I really look at sustainability, not just in terms of materials, but the, the main core for me is social sustainability, which has to do with how people are being treated, who are making the things that we are bringing into our homes, what the narrative and story is, and history behind what we bring into our home. And who are all of the hands that have touched and crafted and put their energy into what we surround ourselves with. And one thing that was interesting, I saw on one of your reels, you were clearing something with Sage, I think, that was an antique or a vintage piece that you had brought in. And I thought how interesting that is to clear the energy of something that you bring into your home to just have it create the harmony and participate in the harmony that you are, you know, trying to surround yourself with. And I feel like all these things are so interconnected. Yeah, they are. You know, space clearing objects, just as you said, everything holds energy. But, you know, especially if you buy something vintage or antique, you don't know the energy that that piece held, the place that it sat the owner that held it, right? And so to me, it's important because it's really just being aware of how I want the energy in my space to be without that, what we call as predecessor chi, 
So yeah, I, I always space clear my vintage objects. And back to your comment about social sustainability, you really switched gears in a direction I wanted to ensure we talked about because that's important. I have also started selling items on my website and they are primarily focused on the five elements, decorative objects and art. But I share that same concept of really being aware of where that object is coming from, just making that mindful approach that where we purchase from who makes the object, just being more conscious about that. So anywhere I source from, I ideally try to source locally from artists and makers as much as I can. But if it's not a local artist, everyone I'm sourcing from has sustainable practice, ethically sourced. Nine times out of 10 is women-led or women-owned and they're artists and makers from all over the globe. So that has also been a very important aspect as I roll out this elemental collection going forward. And not just who holds it, but bringing these objects in is just a conscious effort too. So each of the elements offer some sort of attribute of one of the five elements in, in Taoism. So there's intention behind the piece too. We're bringing it in to sort of balance a room, whether it's going on your mantle or sitting on a table, you know. So there's just this whole aspect of conscious consumerism, understanding where it came from, understanding why we're even placing it in the home. And then there's just such appreciation of that object when you have that kind of background story to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is a difficult task in interior design to uphold the level that you're describing. I know that I have not necessarily succeeded in doing so, but I do try to look at the social sustainability policies of the companies that I'm working from. And I do try to lean towards companies that are treating their workers right and are also looking at the communities that they're impacting with their manufacturing. And one of the things that was really, I think, a positive about the pandemic is that it really pulled the curtain back on supply chain. I don't think anybody even had heard of the supply chain until this happened. And so suddenly I think people were, were realizing that before the thing lands in your house, there is like a huge journey that it takes from, you know, working backwards from the person who brought it to your door to the person who shipped it to the person who put it in the box to the person who you know assembled it to all the materials that were gathered to actually make it so this has been a unique opportunity and time to raise awareness about that in a way there's a positive i think people are realizing that oh a lot of people are really involved in my stuff mm -hmm. and how accountable do I want to be for, for, for the stuff that I'm bringing in and all of the people who are involved in it? You know, we realize that we have this thing coming to us into our living room, but it really started on the other side of the world. And um, I think that that's a positive where we're starting to, to grow some awareness. I think another thing about the interior design industry, even though it is well behind the garment industry, we're getting slowly some more B corporations. So B corporations have a commitment to a mission over and above making profits, which is to be responsible employers, to 
be good stewards of the environment. And they actually have to really demonstrate that. So looking for B corporations is another good way to stay within a good place in terms of uh, social sustainability. And then I think also just looking at the sustainability practices on a company's website, you know, taken with a grain of salt, but we have to take baby steps before we you know, make the big leaps. Yeah. And back to the supply chain a little bit, it's kind of forced us to slow down. We have become a society and culture that when we want something, we get it now. I mean, look at Amazon and, you know, not even today. I mean, we're at like next day delivery now. And it's like, it's a hard thing to keep up with. And so when you have that driven in a culture, it's hard to make people step back and realize what it really takes. And I think just kind of going back to that slow living too. Like I painted my house a year ago and this is maybe a little bit embarrassing, but I don't even care. I'm just putting it out there for the, for the sake of my point. But I painted and there are a lot of walls that I have left blank. And it looks a little barren, but it's like, I haven't found the right piece yet. And I think there's something to be said that like, that's okay. It doesn't always have to be finished. It's interesting too. Like I'll get clients who move into a home that needs like completely remodeled. Like nothing's been touched since the sixties, you know, and most designers would probably be like, yeah, this is great. But me, it's funny. I'll be like, are you sure you want to? just jump into this renovation? Do you want to live in the home a little bit, like six months, maybe a year, like really get a feel for the kitchen and what you don't like? Like, I think that's so important, but I, I don't think there's a lot of decorators telling people to wait <laughs> to a year to start a renovation. But I think that's important to really just be mindful of your surroundings, how you feel in them. Because I think it's only from there can you really know what you want. Yeah, it's interesting. A year ago, I bought a place upstate and it was a big leap of faith. And again, it was one of those situations where I remember walking in and, you know, the it, the voice side was like, this is it. <laughs> I almost was going to tell them, like, don't bother doing any more staging because they were literally bringing like plants in and everything. I was going to just say, hey, just don't don't bother with any of it. And um, one of the things that I was going to say is that it's a small place, and I just brought in what I needed. You know, I had nothing. I had no beds. I had no furniture. So I, I got what I needed to get started. And one of the things I love about being there is this kind of emptiness. It just it's so refreshing to be there because not all the walls have things on them because I just have what I need in the kitchen and I just have what I need, you know, in other areas. And so it's this lightness and I would love to bring that to my home, which has, you know, my life's worth of, you know, whatever yeah. I've been accumulating and ascribing value to and thinking, you know, oh, this is so important. But, you know, I go there and I'm like, oh, light as a feather. I'm just in the moment and I'm not weighed down. Um, so that's just an interesting contrast to real yeah. that sometimes having all that stuff around really like it, it burdens us in many ways internally and energetically. I also finally, after a year, put up a couple of more pictures this past weekend. Not a lot, just a couple. Yeah. Know? 
I'm just going very slowly. And in a couple of the rooms, I literally just have one small piece on a wall. That's it. So it's just, it's a different way of, of easing into it, which I've really appreciated. Yeah, good. I'm happy to hear that I'm not alone. <laughs> Because I look at it from kind of, you know, I talk a lot about the mind-body-home connection and how it's all connected. And I look at my life and where I'm at and, you know, talk about pivoting and transitioning. Like, that's really where I'm at. I'm kind of in this space. I just turned 40. So I really feel like I'm, I'm, it's like year one of the rest of my life, right? Like, I really feel this huge shift within me. And so anything that I would have put on the walls prior doesn't resonate with me, but I haven't quite figured out that like what I do like now. And so it's really just fascinating to me that there is this connection that I'm shedding a lot of the old me and I'm shedding a lot of things that maybe have been limiting me in many ways and, and finding myself coming into this new person. And so I feel like my house rather unconsciously until like now that we're talking about it is also kind of exhibiting that behavior. Like I need some blank space to kind of rewrite the story. Right. And so I encourage homeowners or listeners to think about that. You know, where are you in your life and is your home a representation of that? And if it's not, you can really use your home as a playground to kind of explore some of these things. I absolutely love that. And I love the way you said to rewrite the story. I think that's so beautiful because that really is, you know, how we refresh our lives, you know, is, is by getting to these points and then kind of shedding the old skin and developing something new and fresh. And, uh, yeah, that's really beautiful. I love yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly times people will come over, you know, neighbors and such. And I'm probably on, only in my head about it. Like, oh, they're here again. And I still don't have anything on these walls, you know, and they're and I'm thinking, well, I wonder if they even notice, you know, probably not. Um, but it's interesting. I've had that awareness come up for even myself. And but then I just have to remind myself, no, like this is where I'm at in my life. Yeah. it's okay right yeah I made a really a quick video the other day because I was like you know what when I have like a little aha moment I should probably just like document it and I'm going to start doing this on a regular basis and my aha moment was that I had you know I'm launching the wallpaper <laughs> and uh, so I've been scrambling to sort of get everything in place there's a lot of moving parts that have to happen to actually be able to sell and and ship and all of that and I was looking to increase more of my quick consultations so that I can be a little bit more mobile. And a couple of larger projects came up and one of them fell through. One of them got put on hold. One of them, they decided to work with another person. And what came to me is sometimes a gift doesn't look like a gift. So the fact that these two things aren't pressing on me right now means that my time can be focused on the task at hand of really getting my wallpaper launched and being organized about it. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I was starting to new projects. So sometimes the gift doesn't look like a gift. 
And you know, when I took my ego out of it, I was like, this is great. Thank <laughs> goodness. And now I know what I have to do. Yeah. I have no excuse. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's what I experienced when I was talking about, I took that time off. Now I intentionally took that time off because I was like, look, I need to get this done. And I probably should have did this last year when I left my corporate job instead of just jumping into projects. Like I had no reset. I just jumped in because I got scared and I need to make the money and now it's all on me. So when I did that, it was again, very intentional and it was very healthy for me. Um, but then when the project started picking up again, February, I was like, I want to go back to November. Like I was so creative and so in the moment. And so again, it was like another, you know, message to me, just, I need more of that. And so like you, I've been very just conscious of what I take on because I know what I really want to do is going to require some time. Um, yeah. So what's coming is meant and what's not coming is also meant yeah, for yeah. us. Well, I think one one of the things that we touched on, like, and you mentioned it here, is that nobody tells you, you know, about interior design, the job. We know about interior design, the Pinterest page, <laughs> but there isn't a whole lot of information out there about interior design, the job. And as we both discovered, the job is 85 to 90% logistics and project management. Yeah. And then it's the other 15 is sort of like sales and, and actually designing. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's a very logistics intensive job. You know, I've, I've done a couple of things and I've talked to other people and really there's no way to really understand it unless you're right in the middle of it. People look at designers and think, oh, they're buying things and they're putting them in a house. They have no idea how much we have to track and and do financial stuff and, and all of that. It is unbelievable. A hundred percent. I don't even like talking about it. <laughs> well, I just feel like, no, it's like, well, there's some people who are, but like not many people are really pulling the curtain back, you mm -hmm. know, for like design students. Or, or anybody else, you know, I mean, unless you're going into a big company where somebody else is going to handle all of that and all you have to do is the one thing on your project, then, you know, it can work differently. But if you are responsible for all of the steps in the process or most of them, you're going to be spending a lot of your time doing something that's not design and you got to, you know, kind of realize that. And I think that's one of the things that has been challenging. For me, in terms of just my enjoyment of design the job. Right. You know, design right. the design. I, I love doing that's That's really fun, you know. Um, but the other parts, not so much. I agree with that for sure. And I think, again, when I said I was surprised to find myself back in that spot, I didn't expect it. You know, I thought this is what I wanted. And again, it's just a matter of being aware that it's time to maybe pivot and how can we bring more creative? And I think that's what we're always striving for, no matter if it's a career change or whatever it might be. The call to pivot is because we need more creativity in our life. And so I think just finding ways to infuse that in your day, you know, whether it's writing every day, whether it's taking yourself on artist dates or just painting for an afternoon, just bringing that into your life 
once a week, every day, if you could, I think we'd all be finding ourselves in a much better headspace. Yeah. Um, the books that I really loved. One is, I haven't finished it yet, but I started it, which is The Creative Habit, Learn It and Use It for Life by Twyla Tharp. And then the other one is by Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. Oh, yeah. Have you read that? Oh, yeah. Loved it. Oh, my God. How great. My favorite takeaway from that book is when she tells her ego, it's not in the driver's seat. That's like the one thing from that book that I remember, like, you can be here with me. But your ass has gone in the back seat, <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> One of my takeaways from that book was where she had this idea, and then a few years later, you know, somebody had actually done it, and you know, she had to say, like, "My God, you know, that was my idea, but somebody did it." These ideas are out there in the zeitgeist, and if you don't grab it when it's sitting down, somebody else might, you know, grab it too, and that's the way it goes, and that's that's fine, you know. There was another quote from one of Susie's podcasts, and she's she's quoted this before, and I don't remember the exact language, but it was something like, the universe loves speed. The universe loves when you actually put the momentum in. You know, the idea comes and you actually just jump in and like start to take actions. Yeah, 100%. I mean, back to intuition, that's how intuition works. It comes in hard and fast. And if you don't catch it, you're not aware of it. And so I feel like that's kind of the same message is you got to act fast, right? Not only does it come to you fast, but you got to act on it fast before you let your thinking mind take control, which is that AKA ego mind, because it'll destroy it. That's its job is to destroy all dreams. (laughs) And also, you know, it's, it's our left brain training. And also depending on sort of what our backgrounds are and like, oh, you know, who are you going to make money doing that? Or you really can't afford this house. What are you thinking? This is going to sink you. You All those like horribly fearful thoughts, even though there's there's this voice that's saying, this is you, this is you, this is you, you've got to do this. This is like 100% you, you know? Um, (laughs) And it's just sort of like you have to just sometimes just dismiss it and just say, I don't know how this is going to work out. I realize that it's not completely logical. I realize that it may not make full financial sense on paper, but I want this to work. This is going to work somehow. My father, and I have to say my family is like so the opposite of this. Like my, And I love my parents dearly. One of my mom has, is no longer with us, but my father is, just to give you an idea, he's Swiss, he's a Virgo, and he's an engineer. <laughs> so this is not a guy who is hanging out in the right brain playground a lot. You know, everything goes through the filter. You know? So uh, the fact that I have spent my entire life self-employed and have managed to survive is just so hard for him to understand and every move i make he's so fearful for me because it makes no sense to him not the way he does life and it's it's funny because both my sister and i have been sort of proving that this alternate thing can work too i love that so much still those voices are still like very present and you know yeah and they'll never go away it's just up to us to learn how to manage them 
Like yeah. I said, put them in the back seat. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Now I'm going to go ahead and do what I <laughs> think I should be doing right now. Exactly. Oh, I think we can sit here and talk about all of this all day. Yes, I love okay. it. I'll have to have you back on. This was great. Yeah, for me too. So Jennifer, where can uh, people find out more about you? Where are you hanging out on social media these days? All so the- I am on Instagram at Cav Design, spelled C-A-V like Victor Design. And I am also on TikTok with the same. And my website is cavdesign.com. So pretty easy to track me down. Wonderful. I'm so looking forward to seeing what you've created. And I'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes for easy access for everyone. So thank you so much. This has been so fantastic. Oh, it was so good. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You bet. Always such great conversations. I really, really, really love every single one of my guests. They all bring such a unique but shared perspective to our homes, our lives, the way we live, our environments. I just, I absolutely love this format and I love sharing my guests with you all. I do believe Jennifer is still working hard on her wallpaper collection. I believe that will be out very soon. So make sure you go to the links in the show notes and track her down through her website, Instagram, or TikTok. As always, I am so grateful for your support of the podcast. So please, if you are getting valuable insight with these episodes and content, please be sure to rate us, send us a review, share it with friends, just simply subscribing to the podcast. All of that stuff tracks and helps us grow. Also, my website is a wonderful resource for everything we have going on. You can find us at jadescottdesign.com. Until next time, much love and gratitude.